0: Hey guys, this is uh, the Battle Ready Podcast. I'm Aaron McManus. This is my dad, Earl McManus. We just got back from Scandinavia, Stockholm, Sweden, and Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, It was really cold. But it was amazing. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was really amazing, beautiful. And they kept saying they should have invited us in the summer. No, I kept saying that. You kept saying that. (laughs)
1: They, so, kept, they kept saying, "In the summer, it looks like this. In, I the summer, In the summer, we have this." And I said, "Stop talking to me about the summer. You didn't invite me here during the summer." I think
0: it, is it a, is it a Danish thing? Is it, is it the Denmark the, the the Copenhagen
1: people? I don't know what I'm saying. Well, they love the winter there too, though. They're out riding on their. They're, they're, no, they love the winter too. They're out there riding on their bikes. They're outdoors. They're uh,
0: enjoying it very, life. It was very different because Stockholm. It was actually very cold, at least for me. I was wearing everything I owned except for the first day. I just wore like a leather jacket and a hoodie, and that was the dumbest thing I could have well, you, done.
1: You, you were like a fashion tragedy because you, you're wearing to... your Vans and your hands were soaking
0: wet. I thought it'd be fine. <laughs> I, I was my Vans were soaking wet. I, my feet were cold, and then I was cold. But you looked good. I looked okay. <laughs> And then I thought we'd be running around shooting, and so I needed to stay, like, light. And then all of a sudden...
1: And when you say shooting, you mean, like, filming? Shooting, filming. Because while you were in Sweden, I you, did, you, did, you did go I shooting. I did go
0: shooting. <laughs> I did go hunting. And if you're, you know, like a PETA advocate, I did not shoot anything. It was just more of, like, a bonding experience to go learn about hunting. And don't know, worry, just, if Aaron goes hunting, all the animals are safe. All the animals are <laughs> safe. It was actually... It was a pretty funny experience because... Um, what I don't know if I'm allowed to name who took us because I don't well, think he wants us to, to name him.
1: Well, his name sounds like Pastor Andreas Nielsen. <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> so he 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 took us to like the
0: shooting range because you know he he grown, he's grown up hunting and shooting and and so we went and did that and that was really cool. There was like this vi- it wasn't virtual reality but it was like uh like there was two projector screens and then we got to shoot live ammo and like shoot at projected animals and I was okay with that like that's fine to me because. Mm-hmm. There's no emotional attachment. Like you're just you know you're shooting video games basically. So we went to go. We went. He asked if I wanted to go hunting, and you. I think you wanted like a night to kind of just do your thing and and rest. And I didn't want on to go out in the freezing cold. Yeah, that's basically what you. Would, <laughs> so he he was like, hey, you should go. You should go hunting. You should go hang out. And and we did. And then we got to his house, and and he was he he went to the garage, and he's like, hey, here here he just brought out like an entire thing of of clothes. Like I think I like no lie, I had a t-shirt on. I had like. Long underwear like Uniqlo Heat Tech, and then I had a pair of sweats, and then I had a pair of North Face sweats, and then I had a pair of like waterproof trousers, and that so it was like four layers. And then I went, and I had a uh, like a Under Armour North Face thing, and then I had another like North Face like zip up that was like the the furry ones. And so were you cold? <laughs> I was so cold. <laughs> I was warm. My feet were warm. My body was warm. But we went out to like this little cabin and. It was like a hut. It wasn't a cabin. It was like And you've never been hunting before? Never. And you really I, I, I told you I said I think I think I'm scared to and go and hunting. And you
1: really couldn't
0: shoot anything? I don't think so. My See this is like this was my like behind the scenes. I thought I was like okay, this is going to be a great story for the kids. I don't have kids, but for like the church and for like, you know, Mosaic Venice and just for the podcast. So we went out I got all dressed up and he, he finally says, he's like, you know, my daughters, they've hunted, they've like shot, they've done things. Like,
1: Cause it's a different world there.
0: They actually hunt to eat. They hunt to eat. No. And they hunt to eat and they hunt mm-hmm. like, they don't hunt just for like for sport. They hunt to actually like feed families and like, they mm-hmm. give a lot of meat to like two people and it's a gifting thing and it's right. awesome. So they are very respectful, very honoring me on the other hand was just scared. And then I asked, you know, what are we hunting? And he said, we're hunting boar. And I was like, we're hunting piglet. That's what we're hunting. <laughs> so not only was I, like, nervous because he said boar can, like, stab your feet or, like, they can stab your legs. So you have to wear, like, Kevlar, like, pants. And Wouldn't it be Pumbaa? Pumbaa. Yeah, I guess. But I don't think Pumbaa. <laughs> like, I think Pumba's okay to go, but I, I think I think Piglet. I think Piglet, and I get sad and scared. Uh, but anyways, it was a good bonding experience. And then we, we drove out, and we had a really good conversation. And But how and, many hours were you there, quote, hunting? I mean I think we we drove like an hour outside of the city and then we hunted for two out like two hours, but I
1: think and, this is an important point yeah you you guys said you went hunting, but you never <laughs> actually shot at anything no we really <laughs> we went sitting we so, went to go sit so
0: he you know the cool thing was he was like teaching me about the like the, the 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 process and like you know how he grew up doing it and this whole thing and um it was really it was insane it was pretty cool also like we just went and sat in this like hut that's like five feet off the ground and he brought coffee and I'm like in the seven layers. And I had this like rabbit hat on mm-hmm. this hat. That was, I don't, what do you call those like snow hats? And then it had like rabbit fur as faux fur, um, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, and it kept falling over my face and I kept falling asleep cause I was so jet lagged. And, and then I look over like an hour later, I don't really know how long it was. I look over and he's just like scrolling on his Instagram. Just like, I was like, I didn't know you could
1: bring your phone. You said be quiet. And he goes, yeah, you need to be quiet. But I brought my, my phone. I think this is important because I remember years ago I went fishing and I never caught a fish. And right. so I realized it was really just polling. <laughs> I wasn't fishing. And, but really great fishermen are really patient. Yeah. Really great hunters are really patient. Right. They understand that there may be hours of waiting For that one moment where you um, are actually, by definition, hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like there's this incredible lesson to be learned because generationally, uh, we've almost been preconditioned to expect things to happen fast. We want things to happen immediately, right away. And the idea of waiting two hours for one moment feels like an incredible waste of time.
0: Oh, I didn't feel like I wasted time, but I felt... Like, we didn't – I mean, mean, he at one point said, you know, we could sit out here for hours, and I was like, how many hours? And No, but
1: it definitely – I don't know. With my generation, everything's quick. I get that. Right, because if you stayed all night and you never actually shot at anything – it would still be called hunting because the intention. I'd be so mad. Now it'd be called angry. At no, that but you point. see, here's what's important: it's it's the intention that you're actually moving with a particular intention. And so he's hunting because he has an outcome he's trying to achieve, even if it's not achieved. See, I, I feel like this is one of the principles that we but need to help people get into their life. You're
0: trying to teach me right now, and all I'm trying to do is tell a story about
1: hunting and how it was a great Bonnie experience. But right, you're, but no, you're talk right. about like like um, helping someone come to faith a lot of times we want it to happen right away. Right. And the reality is that it may take a great deal of time of building friendship and relationship and earning trust and yeah. a lot of coffees, a lot of dinners, a lot of times hanging yeah. and talking about everything else in life until you um, also um, earn the right to, to have the deeper conversations as well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think it's so true um, in, in, in so many arenas, uh, whether it's our career, you know, whether it's a, a particular dream, yeah, that um, we need to learn how to set in the process yeah. so that we can actually be there for the moment where the outcome is fulfilled. Do you feel like because I know it's a generational
0: thing, but I think a lot of it is the societal pressure that if I'm 29, I'm old. Like that, if you're exactly in, a, right. if you're in LA and you're an actor and you get, and you try to get an agent at 23, they're like, you're old. We want to do it at 13, at 14 mm-hmm. and your model at 16. If you're, you know, if you're an like a YouTube entrepreneur, like the older you are, the less, the less you are like in the demographic of being shareable and being interactive. I think there's so few people who are actually older and wise who are giving information and and reaching young people on like these newer platforms so it's a bit of a pressure right so because mm-hmm. i go i'm 29 and people are like oh well you're getting older and i'm like i'm 29 like i i don't even feel like i've even hit my prime yet let alone like gotten to a place where i even understand enough to go do things on my own right now i'm grateful i get to learn under people still i'm grateful. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like so then to go yeah like i think when people feel the pressure of like, okay, fame, I think it, maybe it only applies to fame, but I feel like that's the same in like entrepreneurial like worlds. Like they feel like they got to make their tech break right now. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to build. I look at it and go, okay, call me in six years, 30. If I don't, if I'm not where I like closer to where I want to be, then we can have a conversation about maybe like disappointment or frustration. (laughs) 10 years for sure but but i think it's like
1: i'm in the long call right absolutely i remember when your sister mariah was around 16 years old and she told me she was a (laughs) has-been No, but if you grow up in l.a
0: if you grow up in l.a and you have wrinkles like that's like it's a it's like that doesn't go together you know what i mean Mm -hmm. I i have friends who are my age doing what is it botox and i'm stoked it's weirder when you look in the mirror and you're like oh wow i'm not like 17 or 23 anymore but then I look at it and I look at people and I go, it's kind of sad when people feel that pressure of you need to be beautiful. Beautiful is this way. Or, and that yeah. sounds so cheesy. But I'm like, no, I think the fact that you can grow up in L.A. and and then you go to a place like Sweden and people were just real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people were so much more real. People were so much more dynamic about they're OK with getting married young and, and living life and
1: building. And, and they believe that life takes time. Yes, that, they understand that, and that's to me a really beautiful thing. That, it, 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 and I think we have to some, somehow introduce this idea again: yeah. that it's okay to give life time to develop. Give yourself time. Don't stop being so hard on yourself. Going, I'm 24 and I haven't accomplished anything, or I'm 28, I haven't um, changed the world yet. I'm 29 and I'm still yeah. trying to figure things out. Uh, you, you know, I, I think your 20s are when you just need to fail a whole lot. Just get failure under your belt. Get yeah. comfortable with it. Yeah. And so that by the time you're 30, you're going, okay, I know I can fail, and I'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, some of the greatest transitions, biggest transitions in my life happened after I was 30. Uh, the, uh, if you looked at my you life— You moved
0: to L.A. when you were 30.
1: 32, 33 years old. So you're, yep.
0: like, let's talk, like, your life hadn't even really started. Like, the life where people—like, <laughs> the life of people knowing who you are didn't start for another 10 years.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. If up to the age of 29, I don't think i would ever spoken to more than 200 people at one time. Have we told that story here? No. no. You should tell that story. <clears throat> the story of when you first spoke to people. Like, yeah, and so here I was. people. I'm 29 years old. I'm pastoring a church that I basically started. Um, we're probably averaging... 100 people, 120 people. Where in, were you guys? In the middle of South Dallas South by the Dallas. Cotton Bowl. It yeah. was, at that time, the highest crime rate, highest murder rate area, I think, in the United States. Three years in a row. Yeah. You can Google it. And South uh, Dallas. It was a very intense area. But frankly, I was, I was killing myself, and I was working so hard, but I wasn't crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> and you were yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a state, in a city, where big churches were everywhere, blowing up oh, all I, around you. I kept hearing about churches... Starting and getting to 10,000, and I remember one time just sitting in my car and I just started just kind of like weeping by myself, going, God, yeah. like, what's the deal? I, you know, you didn't give me any talent. You, you know, yeah. you're certainly not um, growing anything I'm doing. Yeah. And I was at the age of 29, um, from every statistical uh, assessment, I was a complete failure. Right. And, uh, you know, I just had to kind of hold on inside of myself to that. I wasn't a failure because at least I had this person come to Jesus and this other friend of mine whose life has changed, this other family whose life has changed. But, but, um, but objectively, I pretty much felt like I was a complete failure. Yeah. And, I, and I certainly didn't know how to do this thing called church, and I didn't seem to have any talent or gifting. And, and there I was— um, working backstage in an event at um, Reunion Arena where the Dallas Mavericks used to play basketball. And I was just there back there as a, a logistical guy with a flashlight pointing a direction for where people should go at the end. Right,
0: so you were an usher.
1: I was an usher. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't an usher, but I was an usher. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah okay. And, and, uh, and I didn't want to go that day because I, I was just tired and I'd been doing it for years and it just felt like it was kind of meaningless. I felt you could kind of work with a trained monkey and do what I was doing. I remember saying that to yeah. my wife, but she made me go because I kept, uh, made my commitment, and she made me keep my word. And when I got there, the guy who was supposed to be speaking I had double-booked another event, I think, in Georgia. His plane was delayed. He wasn't going to make it, and, uh, and he was supposed to speak. Wow. And, then, and then the other speaker, who was supposed to speak the next day, was on the golf course, and they couldn't get a hold of him. Jeez. And all of a sudden, the guy in charge of this event... Is, is that why you don't play golf? Uh, it's because no, 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 it's no, too, just too going, slow for me, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I actually, I love the elegance of it. But I'm, you know, I like fast things, you yeah, know. And, yeah, yeah. and and the guy in charge of the event was a guy who really didn't like me, mm-hmm. and I didn't really like him very much either. <laughs> and uh, we didn't see the world the same. Um, I was uh, maybe a little bit obnoxious in the conversation we'd had, and um, and he walks up to me and goes, "Erwin, um, I, I think the Lord wants you to speak tonight." And I thought he was joking with me, just kind of like messing with me, you know. Yeah. In the moment I acted like I was excited, he'd go, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, bird. And, uh, yeah. and so I, did, I, I just laughed. And he said it again, and I laughed again. The third time he grabbed me, started shaking me, and telling me wow. that I'm supposed to speak that night. Wow. And I was really confused because he probably had 10 to 15 guys who followed him around, all in really nice suits, who were all young preachers who were in the system, and here I'm this guy in blue jeans and tennis shoes and a T-shirt working in the hood, and, uh, and never speaking to more than 100 people, and 20,000 people were waiting for the speaker to come out, and for whatever reason, he felt like God told him it was me. I didn't even have a Bible with me. They went and found me a Bible. I went to a little room, fell on my face. I began uh, weeping uncontrollably out of fear, wow. and, um, and then I got on that stage and I went from speaking to 200 to 20,000 know, with 30 minutes' notice at the right before I turned 30 years old. Right at the age wow. of 29. That's um, incredible. Two months from turning 30, and that's how I think God often works. He just he shifts your life in a moment. If you're faithful in the small things, God opens up the big things for your life. And my whole life changed at that moment, and it was pretty extraordinary. And you yeah. were born the next year.
0: It's crazy. And then you moved, and then you moved to LA. Two years later. Two years later. Two years we later? moved
1: to Los Angeles and started all over again. That's I didn't have a job. That's I didn't wild. have a, a, yeah. a role. I, you know, I, um, I didn't have any income. I had yeah. you, and Kim just um, gave birth to Mariah. We had our, our daughter. Had two um, kids. Uh, Patty, that God gave us, you know, and, yeah. and So there's three of you. And what
0: that means is is it's is, is you, you adopt basically adopted like our, a high yeah, school she was like our kid. adopted daughter, yeah.
1: Know? And we raised her for 12 years. So I hear awesome. I had tw- three kids. My wife and moved to LA and I was unemployed. But we're starting all over again. And so that's what I'm saying is like, if you looked at my life at 29, you would have said, "Wow, why? why haven't you accomplished anything with your life? Yeah. But the reality is that you're, you're, you're not only building the world around you, you're building the world inside of you. I
0: think that's really interesting too because we have this conversation a lot. Like there's a lot of people my age Who have done a lot of things. Like we we live in a really cool city. I lived in New York for a few years. Guys my age were accomplishing far more than I was at 29, Mm -hmm. or even I guess then I was 24, 25. And your your biggest maybe piece of advice was, you know, one, look at me where I was at 29, but also you're comparing your your 29 year old self or really like 25 year old self to you at 55. Mm -hmm. You know, now I I think the comparison game. And I know that people say that she's a comparison kills, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that all the time. I just think, <laughs> I just think the reality is that we look to people and we compete with them in our minds. And I think it's a good thing and a bad thing, but I also think being realistic about growth and where you're going and where you're going might be a little bit different to where you know another person went. But that's that's. I think it's a mental yeah. game more than anything else.
1: And I, I use people as benchmarks.
0: Yeah, y- you know, who did uh, you compare yourself to back then?
1: Um, well, you know, do we know it, any of them? What do we know any we of them? Probably uh, don't. I, I didn't um, necessarily compare myself. Well, like I compare myself to Salinger. I said I wanted to learn how to write like he wrote. Right. You, you know, Catcher in the Rye. I would, but
0: you didn't. I you would, wrote more than one book.
1: I know. That, you know, I hadn't written any at the time. That's I, true. You know, I, I the people I would really like use as benchmarks is I would use Da Vinci and Michelangelo and yeah, Picasso. So and so you were always
0: influenced by people outside of really.
1: Outside the faith because it came from outside the faith, yeah. You know, and then I didn't know a lot of people inside the faith, and then there was a whole series of great communicators back then Mm. that you wouldn't know because they're probably they've all passed away now. Yeah, and you um, had to be like
0: grandma, you know. But
1: even like uh, there were men kind of like a a guy named Adrian Rogers, and there was um, you know just these great great communicators all over the world, Um, and and I would listen to them and go wow they. They communicate with such power. And every time they would speak, I would just feel shaken inside. Mm. And and, uh, and I kept thinking to myself, I want to be able to communicate like that. Mm. So I would listen to all these great communicators. And I would pay attention to how they said what they said. And and I would listen to the parts that would affect me most. And, and I would just steal, 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 steal. But I wasn't stealing their content. I was trying to steal their essence. Mm. And I think,
0: I, let's time out right there, because <laughs> I think that's something that young at least my generation when i go on youtube or instagram or wherever if you know a young guy follows me and they post their stuff which you Mm know bravo to you because i'm never posting my stuff except for this on the internet until i'm (laughs) i know i'm at least decent (laughs) but but you know great uh, i'll hit subscribe to make you feel better um but i think a lot of the times is i just hear like the same thing again and again and again Mm -hmm. and content is hard like i've only spoken a handful of times and it is hard to write new content. I mean, there it is one book of 66 books. Mm-hmm. But like when you're writing, like writing, generating new content is genuinely a difficult thing. But how did you figure out a way of telling the same stories in a new way? I think people mistake, first off, let me go back before I ask that question. I feel like people mis- mistake uh, content in essence. They, yes. they they try to they try to they take the cheesy Christian jokes or the cheesy church jokes and they make conferences really hard to go to, rather than just coming up with their own life.
1: Right. Well, here's the thing. Usually, when you're imitating someone, right, the irony is you end up imitating the worst part of their presentation. I mean, not yeah. the best part. Yeah. Because the worst part is the easiest thing to imitate. Yeah. The best part is the part that actually took them some work. I mean, it was hard. <laughs> that was hard. That's something you've really yeah. had to help me. Mm-hmm. Like, you
0: would, I would get off platform or, and you'd go, who was that? <laughs> I was like, that was me. And you are like, no, that was like Mac- Matthew McConaughey trying to be Carl Lentz. Like, that was like some, that was some thing that was just stupid. That like, was what, very transparent of you to that? put that on the podcast. And, no, I, I think it's real. I think, I think you gotta know. Because I like, I don't, like, Carl was the only other speaker that I had listened to other than you. Mm-hmm. You know? And really, and so then I was just, he had changed my life, you know? So I was just. Imit, not imitating, well, I was imitating what I knew. Right. Now, there's a piece of that, right? Because yeah, I think absolutely. the same way is like, I, 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 try, I mean, I'm more like you because I'm your son, so there's mm-hmm. things, but then I was just trying to also you know pull
1: it out of me like the right. ability because to be you'd seen platform. such power and impact through carl's messaging yeah it was the only a good thing yeah and, but it's funny then, how it happens and then for whatever reason you just added matthew McConaughey. <laughs> i don't know where i think i saw the was it what is it the lincoln
0: navigator commercial and just thought i was like oh okay i want to be that And I you kind of look like him anyway
1: so i'm like oh, all right man. but i remember i think it was this i went up to you one time and i said aaron i just want you to to find your authentic self. I, I kept saying to you, and you, you get mad at me when I kept saying, I just want you to find your authentic self. And then one day you looked at me and said, Dad, what about if my authentic self is inauthentic? <laughs> I know that was that was a bad moment, but
0: and I don't I like there's no there's no bad thing there's nothing it's nothing bad about like imitating people you really enjoy no not at all yeah I think because I think a lot of times you kind of have to start there because it's it is hard to write new content and to figure it out I just think it's funny when people like I've like I I heard someone preach Jensen's message I heard like Franklin uh, Jensen Franklin Jensen he has two first names Pastor Jensen Franklin preach a message and then I heard it. Someone else preached a message, message that same message. He just changed it, and I'm and it was like about you know disqualifying yourself, like don't uh, don't deem yourself unworthy, mm. and and I, it resonated with me. I think I, I took up, I took the quote I really loved and talked mm. about it, but I talked about him too. Yeah. But we were, we were in Copenhagen, and someone had maybe used one of your messages before we had gotten there, and <laughs> and, and but like the funny thing is about that is. I think for you, you kind of were like, oh, well, that happened again. You handled it really well. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, that's, (laughs) what is happening right now?
1: The worst part is when they take your message and they do it better
0: than you. (laughs) I know. And I think that's what we said about the person for like,
1: Man, okay, that was they're a ball the of fire. Like, you know, you know that they crushed that ending really What's well. What's funny is that I ended up hearing that same talk from two different people I on know. that trip. I know. That, I know. That was, the,
0: that, was, that was funny. But I think, especially when you know each other and then people just kind of borrow things from each other, it's funny. Like, I, 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 I genuinely, like, la-
1: laugh and like mm-hmm. it. I think because it's, it's a sign of, in, you know, like… It's a compliment. Endearment, and it's endearment. Like, Here's the thing. I tell people, start with imitation. Imitate the people that you admire and that you feel like are really effective yeah. in what you want to do and then move to, uh, emulation where, um, you're affected by them. You're informed and influenced by them, but you're, but it's not, you're not trying just to imitate them and yeah, then, and sure. then move to like whatever, maybe say like innovation to where like you're going, yeah. okay, I've learned everything that, you know, they've yeah. taught me, but now I'm, I'm really discovering myself and becoming a new voice yeah. because it's my voice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I, I love that. I think, I think I'd rather people steal your content and, and the, the the way that the church speaks and communicates mm-hmm. gets a little bit more not intelligent because I don't I think the people do the best they can you know what I mean mm-hmm. but you definitely you created a different language because LA is very different like Texas to LA is such a different world mm-hmm. and the, the same kind of jokes don't work here yeah. that was one the conversation we were having with Andreas Nilsson he's yeah. like Swedes humor is so different than US humor mm-hmm. so when like US preachers come over and they try to like you know do their church jokes the Swedes don't have never heard it because they were Vikings and, <laughs> and you know, they Grow up with the same
1: things. Yeah, I considered it an incredible compliment when they kept saying that our, our messaging fit the Swedish culture. Mm. And, yeah, and for sure. at one point he said, um, It's pretty rare for someone to come and actually speak to us as if we're intelligent. Yeah. And, and I, 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 to me, that's the greatest compliment. When you go into a new culture yeah. and people say, You sound like you're one of us. Because that means I've paid attention, I've listened. Yeah. And um, and I've become a part of that community, and mm-hmm. that's an I, I, that's an important part of communication. And and, and the thing is, like when it, the funny thing, you know, when you came back, because uh, Carl's actually from South Carolina, even I think though West Virginia, he, West Virginia, I think West Virginia, somewhere in the South over there.
0: He had not played ball at North Carolina,
1: or South Carolina, North Carolina State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he, he has kind of a southern accent. Yeah, in New York, yeah, it's really interesting. So you didn't come back with a New York accent. Mm-mm. And you didn't come back with the Angelino accent that you uh, had for 25 years. Yeah. You came back with a Southern accent. Yeah. And this is the power of influence, by the way. Yeah. See, it's not a negative thing. It's the power of influence that that when you affect someone's life, they almost naturally want to reflect you. Mm. And, and I think that's one of the things I love about Mosaic. Yeah. Like, uh, we ran the world. We heard, we, I heard one of the pastors actually say... Um, it doesn't matter if you believe in God, he believes in you. I mean, that's mosaic language. Uh, yeah. Was that Pastor Thomas in Copenhagen? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Man, he's incredible. And, and I was like so touched because I thought our languaging is spreading across the world. And our language is really carefully crafted to be sensitive and caring to people outside of faith.
0: Yeah. And it, and it's cool, too, because there's things that, like, we were in Stockholm, mm-hmm. and one on Pastor Andreas and and Lena and and then we were hanging out with Eric mm-hmm. and who I, I just cannot say his, la- his last name but and Jonathan yeah and they're just the coolest coolest people mm-hmm. I felt like we were with family and, and and it was immediately I was stealing things from them like I was texting <laughs> like our guys who are behind the camera like hey can we just do this a little bit like these guys and I was getting links and sending them mm-hmm. and so I think that's the the beauty of the, the like the modern church oh. especially with technology like you yeah. can.
1: Like you can steal it's, faster it's harder
0: you can steal faster, <laughs> but then it's like you, like, you got to like you also need to, to change things and make it your own thing and like yeah. make things unique.: you One know? of the funniest
1: things to me was that we were what? in Copenhagen mm-hmm. and there's a pretty conservative church there. They have a beautiful yeah. building, and on their marquee, they had a sign that said,
0: "No, no, that was in Stockholm. It was the big church in Stockholm. was it in Stockholm Oh yeah, it was in Stockholm crush them. That's right we had dinner. And
1: yeah. on their marquee it said, "Come as you are."
0: which. Which, if,
1: which, point that camera at me.
0: <laughs> 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 which, if you've never been to Mosaic Venice, was in Neon Signs also. Yeah, but where is, did you get that? I got that from Nirvana, from Kurt from Cobain. Cobain. That's so, my first song I ever learned on the so guitar. So here's the
1: funny thing. So Aaron starts Mosaic Venice and decides that the theme out there will be Come As You Are, Nirvana, yeah. Kurt Cobain. And this church is so conservative and has, that if they knew... It was actually from Nirvana. Yeah. They would burn their building down. (laughs) And so here's the, you you actually took a phrase from a world that they probably aren't comfortable with.
0: For sure. They probably don't even know. You
1: sanctified it. You made it sacred by making it a church um, phrase logo. And now it's all the way across the world and they don't even know to thank Kurt. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the. Fu-
0: that's funny, but yeah. Wouldn't it be know. great if you said Nirvana? I know. And if you're listening and you go to that church, we we, we love you. Guys. We think it's awesome. Yeah, it's not. This is only in like like good good fun. Oh, but
1: that's a part of the wonder of it is that when when the church listens carefully, absorbs the language of the world around them, yeah. translate that language to actually become a language of faith, then it becomes normal and it becomes almost accessible to the rest of the church that maybe yeah. isn't as comfortable. One of the yes. things that I thought was so amazing is that we were in two countries, right. Sweden and Denmark. We talked more yeah. about Sweden. And we were there in uh, Stockholm and Copenhagen. Yeah. We, we, both Scandinavia, both the world of the Vikings, right? yeah. which yeah, is yeah. why uh, I, uh, my, my, my beard is an homage to my Viking roots. <laughs> and, and yet they were so different. And there were some similarities, but there were incredible differences. And, and with the You had almost like the sense of a kind of this rogue guy who yeah. um, is, you know, growing this church in the most like uh, raw and ruthless kind of way. Yeah. And then you yeah. go to uh, Cop- uh, to um, Copenhagen, and, you, and you're with Pastor Thomas, and yeah. and this guy starts this church from scratch. There's only what fifty thousand Christians in the whole country, yeah. and you know he starts with fifty strangers in his house. Yeah. And now has the largest <laughs> church in the entire country. Yeah, meeting in I think we met,
0: and I can't say any of the names, but we <laughs> met in like they're essentially like their their circus, like auditorium.
1: Like it was like this. They have like a permanent circus,
0: a permanent in circus in the city. Like yeah, it was so cool. It
1: was so cool. And they did their like their five year anniversary, yeah. and they invited us to it. And it was, and he like his life is in coffee shops, restaurants, and bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean that, that guy like he.
0: And he's incredible. He is, and, and he, it, it was so inspired because yeah. I was like, "When do you go home?" And he's like, "I'm just, you know, I'm always." Which, like, honestly, like, not throwing him under the bus. Like, he, like, he also has the most incredible wife, incredible family, yeah. an incredible team. Like, they're in the grassroots of. He's like, I go home, I see my family, I go out, I go see like all these people who like, own restaurants, and and you know, he's just moving and shaking and always loving people. We took us a dinner. And he's saying hi to, like, to getting to the table was a process because everyone is saying hi. And these people, you know, one guy, what did the one guy say when he walked in? He said, he, said, uh, he called oh, him yeah. Jesus. He goes,
1: oh, hello, Jesus. <laughs> hey, Jesus. <laughs> and the guy and is a like chef. 50-year-old guy, a year old guy. I think that guy was a chef who's an atheist. Yeah. And he's mocking him by calling him Jesus. Yeah, he calls him Jesus. And he goes, Do you have, did you get any converts this week? Yeah. <laughs> and so he's mocking him. But then he said, well, yeah, we've been talking about you this week. And, yeah. and there it was. Yeah, even though he's mocking him, they've been talking about him all week. Yeah, his friends ratted <laughs> him out. He was like, he was
0: like, hey, he, he said, oh, he's just saying that because he's been talking about you all night, and he was, but he had been preempting it, like trying to get him to go to church at the mm-hmm. the, the the Sunday that you were speaking, and right. and it was and it was super cool to kind of just see like how one just they're all friends and they're actually mm-hmm. in community, and there was like clear authority but also clear like love, mm-hmm. and then to be with his from his team, and then just how. Like he's just a wild man, like he just he genuinely believes in like going and tracking down people who do not go to he says like i'm going to grow this church, like yeah. my team's going to see how I grow this church, and they're going to grow this church because they and they and I was talking to his team, and they were inviting like three or four people that they worked with, and yeah. it was just so cool to see it kind of trickle down.
1: yeah, I think one of the things I really learned, and one I just loved Jesper, who was such an incredible leader, yeah, and he looks like a Viking, yeah um, The two things that really struck me was one when we finished dinner at midnight. Or one o'clock in the morning. Goodness, they know how to eat. Yeah, he went to another event to meet with more people. We went to bed. Yeah, he, we went, went, to he bed. went out to. And he went connect and did like a lap to go to go make sure those people that were by us having dinner, like they were coming to church. And then yeah, and then at one place, yeah, uh, I guess the richest man in the country just happened to be in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was bold enough to get up, walk across the room awkward him and say I just want to congratulate you on your great success
0: yeah, he, he looked at yeah because you were <laughs> yeah. you were taking a phone call yeah right before he got back and, and he he said that's that's one of the most influential men in in, in the, the nation in Scandinavia uh, he lives in Switzerland half the time lives here half the time mm. and I said what are you going to do about it and he said I'm gonna go talk to him I don't believe I don't believe in coincidences yeah. I believe in God moments yeah. and he walks over and he and he said and he said something he goes I said I asked him because you got back and then we uh, he explained what happened and." Yeah. And then he said, I said the most undanish thing. Say congratulations on everything that you've built. Mm. And he said he was so shocked. He said, oh, wow, that's, that was kind. Mm. And he said, thank you. And he said, I'm, you know, I'm the pastor of, of Hillsong um, Copenhagen. And, and it, I thought it was the, the coolest story to actually be there and to have that. And it was just, it was just so cool. Yeah, no, it's yeah.
1: amazing. It's been fun reminiscing on, on not only what we experienced but what we've learned. And, and maybe if I would summarize it, I'd go two completely different individuals Andreas and Thomas. Yeah. With um, different gifting and different personalities. and yeah. And yet, both of them incredibly effective. Yeah. And taking responsibility for the growth, hmm. taking responsibility for their nations with visions so big that they're it, it, growing a church was too small of a dream. Hmm. They're trying to transform their nations yeah. through the power of the church. Right. And so it's interesting. They completely believe in the importance of the local church, which is one of the things that really struck me that uh, it, the church really is Jesus's idea. Mm. The church really is Jesus's singular strategy for changing the course of humanity's future. And if we believed in the church as much as these men, I think we would see the kind of impact that they've had. Yeah. And uh, I've learned so much on that, uh, on, on this trip so together. Much. And just so inspired by them yeah. that I know that even here, everyone doesn't have to be the same. Yeah. But they. But what was the question that, that Pastor Thomas asked? How do you build this into people? He what did, he asked he asked you
0: How do you build it into people? And then build and, what the people. Yeah, yeah, the word I don't. <laughs> the word that I said, but I don't. And we basically just a ruthlessness and a blood a bloodlust because we we, t- we compared it. To, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds so bad on on <laughs> podcast. You don't want to say that. but I don't it, want to say but, that, but I said it. It was like... Because I said basically like when there's blood, you, the difference between certain people and certain leaders is when there's blood in the water, like when one person comes to Jesus, that person f- can smell it and it goes into a frenzy of like inviting the next person then the next person the next person and then you just see radical change. And there's so many times we have young people who want position and like, and not like, but you, it's okay to want to be a part of a team. Yeah. But like when you want to lead at a high level, uh, they they want to X Y Z, but there's no like ruthlessness for their friends. There's no relentless desire and no bloodlust.
1: The yeah. like, yeah, blood hunger may not get be, them excited, it may, may not be the warmest you know imagery. Yeah. But I do think that leaders have like a blood hunger. Like yeah. they, um, they wake up in the morning and they're yeah. determined to make a difference. Yeah. They wake up with a passion and an urgency. They don't think things can wait. And I think there's a life and death nature. I'm trying to like disclaim all this stuff because
0: sometimes we live in a violent country for sure. But in the Viking world, we were talking to Vikings,
1: we're talking to Vikings,
0: but also just the fact that like it is life and death for a lot of people and we forget that. And I think when church isn't life or death, when you don't, when you realize that people are coming through, I think sometimes we just go, oh, they they came to a great service. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, like they, we had a chance to change their life and to share Jesus with them did we do it or not? Yeah. Like it was like if they died tonight, would their life have been changed? Mm -hmm. And I think we have, and I've had friends who've walked in and then died and it's just sad. Like, you know what I mean? Like we've had, we've both had people and, and I think we face that reality of like when your skin's actually in the game, when your family's actually on the line, what's actually going on? You know what I mean? And then it's interesting that,
1: uh, having, having that
0: same kind of, how do you, but I'm gonna ask you the same question. How do you get that person, how do you identify those people and how do you get people excited about like, okay, their friend came to Jesus? Like how do you,
1: can you teach it? Yeah. I don't know if you can teach it. I think uh, this is one of the things where I think it has to be caught, not taught. And uh, passion can't be taught. Hmm. Uh, Passion has to be caught. Passion Hmm. has to be transferred through like uh, the banging of lives together. Hmm. And, and you know, it's easier to find passionate people you can help with character and give skills mm. than it is to find people with skills and try to put passion in them. So true. And, and, and I thought, interesting combination, because when you use the language, you know, I understand the, the hunting, Viking kind of language use, you know, that you use, having that blood hunger. Yeah. And, um, but at the same time, he said, a part of what we talk to our, our core leaders is, you, you're, our, you're my firewall yeah because when you have an intensity, when you are deeply passionate, when you have that sense of, of hunger to make a difference in the world, yeah you can also have too much blunt force trauma, you can hurt people without realizing it you, you know you, you, people get burned yeah. in the fire well he, he said he
0: goes, you're seeing now all of the behind the scenes moments that are really hard yeah and like he, before I was giving, he, he said that this is the <coughs> best like like drasting statement he said before I was giving you volunteer hugs. <laughs> like Sunday morning volunteer hugs. And then he's
1: like, but what, then what happened to all the volunteer hugs? I don't get <laughs> hugged anymore. That's true. He was saying that when volunteers came on staff, they were confused going, wait a minute, what happened to the hugs? What happened to the love? He goes, no, you're on the team now. You're the firewall. You, yeah, you're the firewall. Now you're, you're there for all the good and the bad moments and right. you got to give the love. But he also said, I have to be intense. Like yeah. I, this is who I am. This yeah. is how I lead. Your job is to make sure that you absorb that intensity and then you give the hugs to the volunteers. Yeah. And so that (laughs) because you can't relate to volunteers the same way you do to staff. But that's, that's an important point that that's how you can know that you are ready to be on a team. Right. When you're ready for the fire. And if you still need the hugs a lot, you're probably not ready to be on the front line.
0: Yeah. And there's lots of people, me included. I've, Mm -hmm. I've seen behind, I've gone behind the curtain and then it's been hard it's hard to, it's, you know, it's, I've been on both ends. I've been on the, the failing end where I've been too hard on people. And then the, the, the receiving end of like, okay, that guy was maybe too hard on me. And, and it's, it's a hard thing to reconcile because you're like, oh, I'm in church or, but then, you know, I always think like, I'm like, when you're in business, like I get yelled at all the time and no one said, <laughs> apologize. They just like took me out afterwards for a drink or like food or something. There was no like pat on the back. It was like, Hey, you messed up. That cost us money. Or, and then now I'm like, we're in the business of, not in the business of, but like we're in the world of lives. We're like, so I, for me, it's more intense and it's just, it's been a teaching experience. But I think even for young people, the it, it, it's hard to catch passion, but I don't know. I, I think, I, I think part of it is people listen to too many um, speakers and think that yelling when they preach is passion rather yeah, than, so rather than living like a passionate life because one thing you've taught me is i think a lot of people say it but i think you've like, showed me the reality is like sunday is like when sunday starts it's almost like okay not sit back and watch but it's we should have already done the work to have gotten us to this place for today to be great because yeah. if we're having to work today then we're we're scrambling for success rather than actually like building into the best day that we get to do you know what i mean monday through saturday is the work of like spending time with people and and getting to like how much i almost get to see my friends on sundays yeah. and unless they're awesome and stay forever afterwards you know what i mean like i'm inviting people all week yeah. for that one moment you, you know you
1: talk about how we mistake yelling for passion yeah i, I, I instantly started thinking about um, how in film it's so interesting because one of the people that i think Evokes and expresses so much passion is Tom Hardy. Yeah, and I've never heard him yell. And in fact, sometimes he just doesn't even talk; he just goes. Mm-hmm. Mm. He just like, grunts. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he, yeah, t- he makes a sound, and you're like nervous. Like a, he's like
0: a grizzly bear. <laughs> I like, yeah, hear he, it, you know, and it's like a yell.
1: And and the person I think of, yeah. of yelling is uh, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Will
0: Ferrell. <laughs> Always. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he yells a lot. Telling you to tell he, it tells, like, like, like a <laughs> crying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, elf. I, and and I, I think we've uh, confused passion with yelling. Yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, I tell people, look, if you yell the whole time, it's the same thing as monotone. Yeah. Because if it's the same way or the whole way through, there is yeah. no difference. And how will how will anyone ever know what you actually care about if you're yelling the whole time? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know? That's yeah, no, true. And uh, for me, and I know I'm a pretty intense person, but that intensity comes when I care deeply about something. Right. That's why a lot of times when someone speaks, I'll say to them, um, what makes you angry? Like, what are you angry about? What, what are you going to war against right now? Yeah. Because if you can actually focus on, I, I am going to war against loneliness or despair. I'm going to war against um, greed and, you know, and avarice. Like, when you are, then you are able to tap into that, like that warrior spirit hmm. and that passion and that intensity is authentic and it's real. You don't have to work mm. it up, you don't have to make it up. It comes from the depth of your soul.